Good morning, everybody. Good morning to everyone. It's great to see you here this morning. We're going to get started here real shortly. Um, we got three minutes and 38 seconds uh, till we go live this morning. But it's great to see you all here. It's great to have bodies back here. It is, it's extreme. We were just talking up here a second ago. It's extremely awkward to speak to a camera. Um, but uh, we're so happy to have you guys back.
Good morning, Bay Area, and good morning to everyone out there on the World Wide Web viewing in. It's another Sunday morning, and we are going to be having a worship together this morning, so we're glad that you're joining us. Uh, we're glad that everybody here this morning is joining us. Um, as you can see at home, as you can probably see, we are, uh, we are opening up to allowing people to come back to worship in a limited capacity. So if you're at home and you'd like to take part in that next week, uh, we've still got some seats. Um, take advantage of that by going to the Bay Area website and watching the video about the protocols. Um, you can also sign up there. We ask if you'd like to come to a Sunday morning worship that you sign up by noon on Thursday uh, prior to the Sunday. Um, but we'd love to have you here in person and we'd love to continue to have that grow as well. Uh, for those of you who are at risk or who are not quite ready to come back to worship, uh, that's fine too. We're going to continue to keep doing this uh, live streaming. We're going to continue to keep uh, worshiping uh, at home and from afar. So uh, please don't be concerned about that at all, as we'll continue to keep meeting together, uh, being one in the spirit, and coming before our Father in worship. Uh, we're going to do that this morning as well. Before we do that, we've got a couple of announcements. Um, if you're feeling disconnected right now and you're not part of a small group, we're really encouraging you to take part in, in getting involved in a small group. And you can learn more information about that on our Bay Area webpage. If you need help right now, uh, we know that there are a lot of people who are hurting and are in, in need. Um, we have the pantry ministry that will be here today from noon to one distributing food. If you or anyone you know could use a little bit of a hand up with that, please feel free to take advantage of that as well. Some exciting news for the family, uh, it's a boy. We've got uh, congratulations to Caleb and Prisca Crawl on the birth of their son, Caleb Jr. Uh, he was born on September 3rd. Mom and baby are doing well, and, and he, Caleb Jr. has two older sisters who are thrilled to have him as well. So we congratulate the Crawl family. We can't wait till uh, time is appropriate where we can get to meet Caleb Jr. Uh, we need to be continuing to be prayerful for uh, all the people on our prayer list. There's a very extensive prayer list that's on vitalconcern.com. If you don't get the Vital Concern emails, uh, and that's something that you, you want to keep up with, and we would strongly encourage you to do that, reach out to Aloha in the church office and she can get you on that email list. Um, this morning we want to be especially prayerful for Charlene Ingram. She had a successful major surgery this past Tuesday and is home recovering. So we, uh, we praise that and uh, meals are going to be organized for her and her family through the uh, make, uh, Take Them a Meal website. If you're able to help with that, if that's something that uh, you're willing and able to do, uh, please reach out to the church office and you can get some instruction on that as well. Um, our brother George Klein is awaiting the results of uh, some blood tests that his doctors are concerned about. And while George is very much at peace with, uh, with whatever they may find, we need to be prayerful this week that uh, there will be a good prognosis there and that everything will be uh, positive on that claim. As always, uh, you can find this complete list on Vital Concern. If you're not getting that, please reach out to it low and make sure that uh, we're all being prayer warriors on behalf of those in our body who are in need of prayer. We've got a fun event coming up. On Saturday, September 19th, Robbie and Angie are hosting the second Bay Area drive-in movie night. Uh, we did this last month. It was a great success. Uh, we've got a great setup uh, across the street there in the parking lot, and uh, Robbie's got a device that allows you to, to listen to the audio through your car radio. So uh, we'll throw up on a big screen. We're going to be watching, uh, I believe, the new Mulan movie. So uh, we had a, a great time with the youth last time. This time they're, they're opening it up to the entire congregation for whoever wants to come out and join us for a movie night. And again, that'll be Saturday, September 19th at 8.30 p.m. 
come down and join us in the parking lot and watch a movie with us. Um, on Faith Lane, <clears throat> Faith Lane had another amazing uh, favorite color Zoom pajama party this last week. Uh, those are a lot of fun. If you've got kids in the Faith Lane age uh, and they're not taking advantage of that, reach out to Angie to make sure you've got the information on that. The kids really seem to enjoy it. Um, it takes place on Thursday nights. This week, uh, if they've got their activity boxes, they'll find a hot cocoa packet in there. Um, there's going to be a hot cocoa theme, and they're going to be learning a little bit about Daniel and the lion's den for their pajama party this week. So again, if you've got kids in Faithland, they won't want to miss that. The youth group finished up a great SunQuest local uh, this year. We, we were unable to go to Orlando for SunQuest, and so SunQuest came to us. Um, and it was really a, a great experience. Um, we were able to do some stuff here at the building on Friday and then watch the rest of it virtually. I was able to watch a little bit of it virtually, and it was very powerful and uh, very good for our, our young teens. So uh, thanks to Robbie for his work in putting that together. Um, remember that Robbie also has youth group classes every Sunday, uh, 12 noon, and then Wednesday at 7 p.m. So as soon as we're done this morning, if you're uh, in the youth group, Grab some lunch real quick and then hop on the Zoom with Robbie uh, to continue in your worship and, and learning with God. Um, missions report. We've been told to go into all the world in the Bay Area. We've been trying to do that. If you haven't already done so, uh, take a minute to scroll through the pictures on the Bay Area website that are uh, related to the August Venezuela report. Well, we get a monthly report from them, and it is so encouraging to see how our brothers and sisters in Venezuela are reaching out. Uh, we're helping them a, a great deal to support uh, some feeding of some families locally that are having a hard time getting food, um, really doing just the basics of, of what God asks us to do, uh, to, to provide for those in need. Uh, we're able to do that through that ministry and, and, and the money that we send to them that they're so grateful for. Um, also, we want to continue to remember our Venezuelan brother, Benito Ramon, uh, keep him in our prayers. The situation for him in Venezuela is very bad right now. Uh, he's trying desperately to return to Ecuador, where he can continue his ministry in a, in a little bit of a safer environment. So um, we'll keep uh, our brother Benito in our prayers as well. Another of our missions is uh, in northern India. If you recall, we took up a collection earlier this year for uh, some money for our brother Ramesh to have a major surgery on his leg uh, that was severely injured in an accident, which also left him blinded. Um, for those of you who are on Facebook, Please take a minute to go to the India Siwa Facebook page where you can see some recent pictures of Ramesh, um, who's doing much better now, praise God. Um, you'll also see some pictures of our brother Jonah and Peter preaching and teaching to all the people of India, and uh, hopefully you'll be encouraged by that uh, as I was. We uh, will continue to be doing those things and continue to keep those people in our prayers. This morning, we, uh, we're going to spend some time together uh, in prayer. We're going to spend some time together singing praises to God. We are going to have Tim come and lead us another great message. Um, nothing out of the ordinary there. And, uh, and then we're going to uh, take together and, and partake in communion uh, because that's something we're commanded to do as well. And we're going to grow from that. And hopefully God is going to touch us all through that. And so as we take this moment now to, uh, to finish up our, our announcements and to transition into a mindset of worship, we're going to start that off with a prayer. So pray with, pray with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being a God of love, a God who is love, a God who bestows more love on us than we can even really fathom. Lord, we thank you for all the ways you've blessed us. We thank you for all the things that you've done to help us, and Lord, we pray that you will help us to show that love to others, to, to be the example that Christ gave us 
to those that we encounter in our lives. Lord, we do this not for our own honor, but to give glory to you. We thank you for everything that you've done for us. We thank you for having a son who would sacrifice himself and for willing to have him sacrificed so that we can call you Father. We thank you for the ability to come together this morning. We pray that you will be with those who are leading this worship. We pray that you will be active with all of us who are viewing and listening to this worship, that we will be one with you, that our hearts and minds will be focused on you and that you will reach us in a powerful way through the words that Tim brings us, through the, the thoughts we have at communion, through the, the words we lift in praise to you. Lord, we pray that you will bless us, that you will help us to be a blessing to others, and that your family and your body will continue to grow, not through our efforts, but through our submission to you. We thank you for all these things in your son's name. Amen. And speaking of growing, we are going to uh, take a moment right now to watch a video of recent baptism, and then our worship will begin. Um, Michelle uh, got in touch and said, listen, I, you know, I've been studying God's Word, and I, I feel like I would like to be baptized. So we met for a couple hours and talked about that, and what that involved, and um, the fact that, uh, you know, that's... Bible tells us to do, and uh, talked about just the joy of not just being a part of God's family, but being a part of a, a church family, and uh, you know, belonging somewhere. She mentioned when she came in, I'll be late to my own funeral, but that's fitting because I'm at a funeral. And you know, man, that's Romans six, that uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that we get to participate in through baptism. So I so appreciate Michelle's heart and her seeking uh, spirit, and it's brought, it to, brought us to this point. And Romans tells us that if we confess Jesus with our mouth, that he will confess us before the Father. So before all these people who love you and you love as well, Michelle, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Yes, I do. I know you do. Based on that confession... I'm able to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins, and so you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you'll just pour on your nose, bend your nose, and then take this hand right here, bend your knees, and I'm going to just lay it right back. Okay, you got to be ready to sing after that. This is, this is an old gospel song, and, and it seems to be the song that whenever a TV show wants to show a little country church someplace and show them singing, they're singing this song. But they're singing it like, oh man, Jesus is my friend, okay? Not like Jesus is my friend. Let's sing it like we believe it. And um, it'll sound a little different. Um, when we've been doing this live stream only, I don't know whether you've been singing or not. And you may think, you guys that are here, you've got a mask on and I can't tell. But if the mask is not moving, the lips are still. So let's, let's sing together. It's great to be together to be able to do that today.
Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we I haven't been able to say for about six months, but if you're able, and if I can, probably most of you can, I'm going to invite you to stand for this next song. Stand in awe. Wonderful for comprehension, 
So we've been looking the last couple of weeks in the book of Ruth. Tim's brought us some great lessons there. And I think he said that first week about how the story of Ruth is kind of this small story tucked away in the Old Testament. But it's part of a really big story. And we have a God who pays attention to the details. But he's big enough to handle all of them. And so not just for our kids, um, less thing... Our God is so big. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. He made the trees, he made the seas, he made the elephants too. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so great, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so great, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. The mountains are his, the valleys are his, the stars are his handiwork too. My God is so great, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. There's nothing my God cannot do. There's nothing my God cannot do. All right, Tim's going to come after this next song uh, and bring us, a, bring us the lesson, Hide Me Away, O Lord. Hide me away, O Lord.
Give me your peace, O Lord. Give me your peace, O Lord. Safe in your dwelling place. Safe in your dwelling place. Safe in your dwelling place. In the day of trouble, neath the shadow of your wings, hide me away. Glad that you are here. Glad to see people here today. Glad that you're joining us online as well, uh, worshiping together. Uh, let me um, introduce our, our new sister who is watching online, uh, not with us today. You saw the baptism, but that was Michelle Miles. Michelle has worshiped with us for quite some time. Actually, a co-worker of Dave's before Dave retired, Dave invited her to the cantata and kind of introduced us to this family of God, and which led us to yesterday in the water here. So be sure and uh, reach out to Michelle and get a chance to meet her and, and welcome her into the family uh, when we're all able to be together. We are continuing in our journey through the book of Ruth. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to Ruth chapter 3. Back in the Old Testament, it's the eighth book kind of towards the beginning of the Old Testament. While you're getting to Ruth chapter 3, let me tell you something that you already know, and that is this. Life is better when we share it with someone, right? It just is. Life is better when we share it with someone. We all know that. You think back the very first man, Adam. God creates Adam. He puts him in this perfect place. He is surrounded by perfection. And God said, hmm, not good enough. And so he created Eve. If together, you know, the first man, the first woman. Life is just better when we have someone to share it with. In chapter 3 of Ruth, we are going to be looking at the first stages of a wedding. I'm sure you've heard the old story about the elderly woman who had never been married and she's planning her funeral and she said, I want to stipulate that when I die, I don't want any men serving as pallbearers. I said, well, why not? Because they wouldn't take me out when I was alive. They're sure not taking me out when I die. No. But hey, life is better when we have someone to share it with. Now, I told you last week, the Apostle Paul said, marriage isn't for everyone. In fact, Paul gave us some arguments as to why we shouldn't be married. But really, the reality is most people get married. Personally, uh, I, I can only think of one thing worse than not being married, and that's being married to the wrong person. So we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. In the third chapter of Ruth, Ruth is going to ask Boaz to, guys, you might want to cover your ears here, Define the relationship. Ooh. 
So he's going to ask Boaz, hey, is there any chance of taking this thing to the next level? Um, Ruth has been gleaning in Boaz's field. She's been doing that for the past several weeks. At, but the harvest is about to come to a close, and things are about to change. Let's take a look at the text. Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. One day Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, this is Naomi, the mother-in-law, speaking to Ruth, my daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? The Hebrew phrase there actually is where you will find rest. Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you have been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. This is great. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. Naomi knows men, doesn't she? Clean yourself up. Smell good. Put on nice clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he's lying. Then go uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Okay, we probably need to stop just a minute there and talk about this. A little bit of context, a little bit of history, a little bit of background, because it's already starting to sound a little bit weird, isn't it? But what Naomi is telling Ruth is, I think you and Boaz would make a great couple. Now, remember, Ruth is from Moab. She's a foreigner. But you'll also remember back in chapter 1, Ruth told Naomi, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And then in chapter 2, Boaz tells, her, tells Ruth, May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Ruth is a Moabitess, but she worships Yahweh. She is worshiping the God of Israel. Side note here. God never has a problem with interracial marriages. He never has any problem with that. What God has a big problem with is interreligious marriages. Quite often you'll see God telling his people not to marry foreigners. But the reason is because they worship other gods. And God describes himself as a jealous God. But Ruth is worshiping the one true God. Ruth is worshiping the God of Israel. You know, when I meet with couples who are contemplating marriage, uh, one of my pieces of advice is you need to figure out the faith thing. You need to be on the same page when it comes to your faith. Faith, finances, and family. Man, those are three things that can derail a relationship. But when it comes to your faith, you need to be on, on the same page there. You can save yourself a lot of heartache if you can agree on, 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 on who you worship and why. Now, yes, the Bible does make provisions. Uh, for someone marrying someone who's not a believer. It can be done, I'm just saying, it's tough. But that's not the case for Ruth. Not the case for her and Boaz. Because Ruth has taken refuge under the wings of the God of Israel. She would like to take refuge under the wings of Boaz. One problem. Like most guys, Boaz is pretty much clueless. He has no idea 
that Ruth is even interested in him. Um, you know, back in that time, there were a couple ways for a woman to find a husband. There was the Hebrew way, which involved the fathers getting together and kind of arranging a marriage. But Ruth is from Moab, and she doesn't have a father in Bethlehem to help with that process. Then there was the Moabite way. I don't know if you remember where the Moabites came from. You probably don't. They came from the lineage of Lot, Abraham's nephew. And if you remember in Genesis chapter 19, Lot's daughters on consecutive nights get their father drunk. They have sexual relations with him, resulting in children. It's a very sordid, very twisted, very sinful account. One of those children was named Moab. That's where the line of Moabites came from. And according to history, Moabite women still sort of used that same strategy when it came to finding a husband. You want to find a husband, go get yourself pregnant. But Ruth's not going to do that, because Ruth is a woman of noble character. So was Naomi, by the way. So they have another idea in mind, Naomi especially. Naomi comes up with a plan. I told you Naomi really knows men. She tells Ruth, put on your nice clothes, clean yourself up, get smelling good, wait until after the meal. He'll be in a much better mood after the meal. Oh, us, us guys, we are so predictable, right? Um, by the way, it's worth noting that Naomi's strategy here, her plan for Ruth, is all predicated on her love for Ruth. You know, chapter 3 begins, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? This whole strategy of fixing up Boaz and Ruth, it's because Naomi loves her daughter-in-law. Okay, let's get back to the story. Verse 5. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovering his feet, and lay down. Okay, let me tell you what's going on here. Let me tell you what's not going on here. Um, again, it's already sounding kind of weird, isn't it? If you ever had uh, you know, a spouse crawl in your bed and, and pull the covers off your feet, that does not endear you to them, right? It's not what's happening here. This is not a quit yanking the covers off me moment. This is certainly not Ruth getting into bed with Boaz. There's something else going on. We'll talk about it in just a minute. Verse 8. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I'm your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. Again, some symbolism going on here. We're going to get to it. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Okay, Couple observations here. First, let's not miss the obvious. Boaz is thrilled. Okay? 
He is happy with what's going on. He might have been clueless earlier, but he's warming up pretty quickly to the idea of him and Ruth becoming a couple. And Ruth says, spread the corner of your garment over me. Again, do not think that's some kind of a euphemism for a sexual encounter. It is not. Read Ezekiel chapter 16. What Ruth is doing here is asking, Ruth, or asking Boaz, actually telling Boaz, I want to be your wife. Which makes me sort of wonder, why didn't Boaz make the first move? I mean, what's Boaz waiting for? Why didn't he approach Ruth? And I don't know the answer to that, but my guess is that, again, sort of in true guy fashion, I suspect he probably thought Ruth was out of his league. We get some hints that maybe Boaz thought Ruth was over his head. You know, he, he says, um, I know you can have younger men. You're not chasing after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And he also tells Ruth, everybody knows you're a woman of noble character. Boaz was not Ruth's only choice. It sounds like Ruth could have had about any man she wanted. Boaz wasn't her only choice. But Boaz was certainly her best choice. And there's a couple reasons for that. First, Boaz is a man of noble character. We talked at length about that last week. But also, Boaz is referred to several times in the narrative as a kinsman redeemer. And that doesn't mean a thing to us, does it? We don't know what a kinsman redeemer means, but it meant something there. And that's a very significant phrase in the narrative. Because being a kinsman redeemer meant that Boaz was not just, it had the, if they become a couple, Boaz would not just be responsible for Ruth. Boaz would also take the responsibility of caring for Naomi. Only a kinsman redeemer would take on that same responsibility. So, verse 12. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Uh-oh, it's a problem. Stay here for the night. And in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good. Let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. Boaz is telling Ruth, there's actually someone else, another man, who is closer in, uh, in distance, closer, a closer relative to Naomi than I am. And the law says that he has the first opportunity or responsibility to marry if he so chooses. This deference on Boaz's part, it's no small gesture. Uh, verse 14. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, Bring me the shawl you were wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? I want the details. Some things never change, right? How did the date go? Come on, tell me about the date. How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. 
for the man will not rest until this matter is settled today. I told you, Naomi knows men. There are some things that we will put off. There are some things we will not put off. I'll seal in a deal on a wedding. Yeah, she says he's going to take care of that, and he's going to settle this whole thing today. Let me share with you a couple of character traits about Boaz. Boaz is a man who's concerned about Ruth's safety. Verse 13. He says, lie here until morning. No woman shouldn't be walking around in the middle of the night. He's concerned about her reputation. Verse 14. Don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. Uh, he's concerned about her well-being. Verse 15. He gives her six measures of barley. And then, and maybe most importantly, he's concerned about her purity. He does the right thing. He knows there's another man who might have a claim on this relationship. And Boaz says, listen, we're going to do this the right way. We're going to make sure that we do this the right way. Boaz is a guy, he's really an impressive man. Because he's a man who knows, if this doesn't work out the way I want it to work out, if I don't end up with Ruth, I don't ever want to meet her husband on the street and be embarrassed and have anything to be ashamed about. So Boaz says, we're going to do this the right way. Boaz treats her with respect. And he treats her with honor. You remember in chapter 1, Naomi said, I went away full, but I came back empty. She's not empty anymore. Her life is about to change. Ruth's life is about to change. Boaz's life is about to change. For today, we're going to leave them right here at the end of chapter 3. We'll pick it up uh, at uh, a later date, but I want to share just a couple applications with you about what we've read so far about this story of Ruth and Boaz and Naomi. And I want to do it in the form of some questions. And my first question is this. Does this love story sound familiar to anyone? The story of Ruth, Boaz, Naomi. Does it sound familiar to anyone? Yeah. You know, if you're paying attention, you can find Jesus in every single story in the Bible. And if you're paying attention, you can find yourself in every story in the Bible. Naomi and Ruth recognize Boaz as a kinsman redeemer. Interesting phrase, kinsman redeemer. Boaz is someone that Ruth and Naomi say, we want you to redeem us. We're going to talk at length about that in a couple weeks. But Naomi and Ruth have the same request that the psalmist prays in Psalm 44. Same request that we should be praying too, by the way. Rise up and help us. Redeem us because of your unfailing love. We're going to talk about that. But here's another question to consider. Thinking about this story and our story. Who do you ask for cover? And maybe a better way to ask that is, who is your security blanket? Or what is your security blanket? Now we look at a lot of different places for security, don't we? Oh, we, we find security in our bank account, our jobs, our status, our position. 
We find security in our personality or um, our education, our abilities. Remember, Boaz told Ruth in chapter 2, verse 12, May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. I think that is such a beautiful word picture. That is such beautiful imagery. May you find, may you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Years later, Boaz's great-great-grandson would remember the words of his great-great-grandfather. And he would write in Psalm chapter 17, I call on you, O God, for you will answer me. Give ear to me and hear my prayer. Show the wonder of your great love, you who save by your right hand those who take refuge in you from their foes. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. I wonder if David knew that his great-great-grandfather Boaz used that same phrase, hide me in the shadow of your wings. We just sang the song right before I got up here. Hide me away, O God, in the day of trouble, beneath the shadow of your wings. Hide me away. It is such a beautiful image. And of course, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 23, as he is weeping over the city of Jerusalem, I have longed to gather you. Together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. God invites us. Jesus says, I long for you to take protection, to take shelter under the wings, the shadow of the wings of God. Hide me away, O God, in the day of trouble, beneath the shadow of your wings. Hide me away. It's a great thought. It's a great image of, of our relationship with God. Here's another question. It's not really an official question, but I'm going to ask it because I just kind of want to know. Um, those of you who are married, how many of you asked... Let me start with the men. How many of you men asked your wife to marry you? I mean, you were the ones who did the asking. That's usually how it works, right? I asked my wife to marry me. We just saw that Ruth sort of proposes to Boaz. Um, this doesn't have anything to do with the lesson. I just want to know. Did any women ask, do the asking? Anyone? Okay, nobody here. If you're watching online and you actually were a woman that asked your husband to marry you, I'd kind of like to know that. I don't know why, I just think it would be fascinating to know, but usually it's the men doing the asking. Um, here's another question, and don't raise your hands on this one. How many of you were surprised when she said yes? Don't raise your hand. How many of you were surprised when the person you asked to marry you actually said yes? Now, the movies make it look like, oh, I don't know what she's going to say. I have no idea how this is going to go. I'm going to ask her, and I'm just praying she'll say yes, but I don't know. I'm putting myself out there. Really? Does it ever work that way? When I asked my wife to marry me, I was pretty sure she was going to say yes. In fact, I waited until I was pretty sure she was going to say yes. I don't think I could have handled the rejection of being told no. So I was, man, I was really confident that she was going to tell me yes. If she'd asked me months before, by the way, I would have said yes in a heartbeat. I mean, I was ready months before, 
but I was afraid that she would say no, so I, I was waiting till I knew she was going to say yes. And I think that's usually the way it goes. I think at least for men. I mean, if I'm going to ask somebody to do life with me, I want to make sure that they're going to say yes. Which leads to my final question. What do you think God will say? When I tell God, I want my life to be wrapped up in you. I, I, want, I want to do life with you. What do you think God will say? You know, for some reason, I think, I think a lot of people find it much more um, agreeable or maybe more uh, easier to understand and appreciate and acknowledge the unlimited power of God than we are to acknowledge the unconditional love of God. I mean, we don't really have a problem saying, okay, yes, God is all-powerful. Absolutely. But sometimes we hesitate a little bit to admit and to acknowledge, well, God is all-loving as well. And God loves me unconditionally. And maybe the reason we sometimes struggle with that is we convince ourselves that God has to love like we love. Because we love people who are lovable. And we love people who have something to offer. And we love people who love us back. Maybe we have a difficult time accepting the unconditional love of God because we sort of see ourselves in the story of Ruth. We feel like we're foreigners. We got a lot of baggage. We have a lot of history. We carry around some regrets and things we struggle with. And we kind of question if we belong, where we belong. So, do we ask God to cover us with his love? And I think sometimes the answer is no. We don't ask God to cover us with our love. We hesitate a little bit. Why? Well, because he might say no. Really? Do you really think God would tell you no? If you were to go home today and you were to pray to God, God, I'm going through a season right now that I am really struggling. I, I am really finding it difficult to keep moving forward. Um, maybe it's a heartache, maybe it's a hurt. You know, I'm just, I'm just really struggling. God, would you cover me with your love? What do you think God's going to say? I guarantee God will say yes. In fact, God will say, I've already done it. You are covered with my love. Isaiah 54. For even if the mountains walk away and the hills fall to pieces, my love won't walk away from you. My covenant commitment of peace won't fall apart. The God who has compassion on you says so. Let me wrap up with an uh, illustration that uh, I've probably used before somewhere only because it is one of my very favorite television commercials. It's 20 years old, but it's a, a Nike commercial. And in this Nike commercial, there's not a single word of dialogue spoken. It's nothing but black and white pictures of athletes. But it's not pictures of athletes like we're used to seeing. There is a picture of a bull rider with a terribly disfigured face, an accident with a bull. 
there's a picture of a surfer holding a surfboard, and there's a big chunk of the surfboard bitten out by a shark, and on his leg he has all these scars where he was bitten as well. There's a wrestler with cauliflower ears. There's a girl sitting in a locker room holding a soccer ball with a surgically repaired knee. There's a hockey player who smiles and he has no teeth. Not a word of dialogue in the whole commercial. It just ends with the Nike swoosh, just do it. But what makes the commercial so effective and so haunting is the soundtrack that's playing in the background of that whole commercial. It's Joe Cocker singing, You are so beautiful to me. It is a powerful image. You know, we think about our story. We think about all the baggage that we have. We think about all the times that we've tried and all the times we've come up short. We think about all the shame that we carry around. We think about all the heartaches, all the hurts, all the scars. And we fail to recognize that same soundtrack playing in the background of our story, echoing the heart of God. You are so beautiful to me. That's what God wants you to know. So, may we be reminded that God wants us to rest in His love. That God wants to cover us with the blanket of His love. That God wants to hide us beneath the shadow of His wings. That God wants us to know you are so beautiful to me. Let's pray. Father, we get so confused sometimes about what's important and what's not important. We get so wrapped up in what we think we need to do and what we need to accomplish. Father, would you allow us the peace and the security and the comfort that comes from resting in your love. Father, thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for paying the highest price imaginable, the death of your son Jesus, so that we can call you our Father and so that we can feel those wings of protection and so that we can experience those arms of love. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Thank you, Tim. We're going to share together in communion after we sing this next song, Jesus Only Jesus.
We've reached the point uh, where each week we pause, we stop, we take a minute to remember and think about and concentrate on the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us, the sacrifice that our Father made by sending his Son to the cross for us, and, and what that means to us. We live in a troubled world. This is not news. We all realize we are... Surrounded constantly by darkness, by anger, by fear, pain, stress. Really everything that's kind of the opposite of peace. That's what we find ourselves immersed in every day. And we serve the God of peace. We know that. We know we have access to true peace but it's so hard for us to remember that. 
In fact, that's not new. We're not unusual. Every time I think God attempted to explain to his people the peace that he was offering, it's always been we're people who find godly things hard to understand and we seem to quickly forget. Going back to Isaiah, when the prophet tried to explain what was going to happen, when God tried to explain through the prophet what was going to happen, Isaiah 53, um, verses 4 and 5, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We, of course, see that with the benefit of all the time that's passed since then. God's people, you know, really didn't understand. And, in fact, even if we jump ahead to Jesus himself explaining it, uh, John 16, he spends most of that chapter talking to his disciples and trying to explain what's about to happen to him. And, of course, you know, they really can't really understand. But he finishes it in verse 33 by saying, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He has overcome the world. We know that, but it is so easy for us to forget. And I think that's why uh, Jesus instituted this memorial service that we're about to partake of together, um, realizing that we would forget and that we would need regular reminders. And so he said, take these simple, very simple symbols. Take this bread, and it represents my body. Take this juice that represents the blood that, I sh- that, that Jesus shed on the cross. And in that, you remember it. We're proclaiming it uh, every time we take this. So at this time, if you would, those of you who are here, we can take the, uh, you should have the packets and can take the bread out. And uh, let's talk to God and uh, ask him to bless this. Dear Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the peace, the peace that truly passes understanding that you give to us and you made possible through the sacrifice of your son on the cross for our sins. Pray at this time that we would be able to remove the the stresses and difficulties from our mind and just focus on that sacrifice and what it truly means to us and that we would take this bread in a way that's pleasing to you. I pray this in your son's holy name. Amen. bow with me again. Lord, we know that this all is possible because your son willingly gave himself and hung on that cross and shed his own blood. This time we pray that we would take this juice just as you commanded us, that we would take it in a way that's pleasing to you and that we would remember that blood that was sacrificed for our sins. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Another command that we have is to give, is to contribute financially to the work um, that happens in this place. And the work is going on. Where it's, many things are canceled, many things are look different than they used to, um, but the work continues and certainly the needs continue. And so we have uh, the ability, we have the technology now to do this virtually and contribute to the work that happens, um, the uh, work that happens here in this area as well as the missionaries that we support. And so uh, at this point I want to say a prayer for, for that God will bless that offering that, that uh, we are contributing. Dear Lord, we thank you for meeting all of our needs and blessing us beyond anything we could have asked for. Lord, we pray that you would take the, the contribution, the funds that, that we're giving back, the small portion of just what we've been blessed with, and that you would bless those funds, that you would bless those who are using those funds um, to further your kingdom and to uh, do, the, do your work in this area and throughout the world. And pray that we would give with a cheerful heart. And just we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. And pray all this in your son's name. Amen. song and I'm going to ask you to stand for it and uh, when it's done uh, we will dismiss the TV audience and wait for instructions about uh, the way that uh, we're going to exit the auditorium. There's another image in the Bible about uh, being hidden and uh, that's uh, with the uh, reference to the Exodus and this song talks about being hid by the blood. Come from the loathsome way of sin, hide you in the blood of Jesus. Come for the Lord will take you in, hide you in the blood of Jesus. Oh, hide you in the blood, hide you in the blood, hide you in the blood for the sins Oh, hide you in the blood, hide you in the blood.